Bloody Scotland Festival and we're here to talk to as many crime writers as we can fit in. <laughs> um, just now we're joined by Michael Malone. Hello, hello Michael. Hello, nice to be here. <laughs> um, who has just released his latest book. Yes, called After He Died. Two days ago you said? Yes, it was the 20th of September it came out. Um, we had a pop-up launch yesterday in front of the Albert Halls at 3.15. So the cunning plan is there that there's people queuing up to see like big name authors and we can hijack them and say, here, buy a book. <laughs> so, <laughs> That's a good plan. Uh, yeah, Ready-made audience. Yeah, so uh, it was a fiver for a glass of wine and a book. Oh, so, great deal. Very good. Yeah. What, a glass of wine while you're in the queue? Aye. Yeah. Aye. <laughs> that's, that's like guerrilla marketing. <coughs> that's great. Aye. So tell yeah. us a little bit about the book. Well, the book opens up um, with a woman called Paula. She's in her late 40s. She's um, been married for nearly 30 years. Husband dies. And at the funeral, um, there's a whole queue of people doing this sort of uh, offering condolences. Yeah. And she comes to this woman at the very end, doesn't recognise her. And the woman gives her a hug, but while she's doing so, she slips something in her pocket and whispers in her ear, you need to know who your husband really was. Well, that's mm. just what you need at that time, isn't it? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it all comes out at weddings and funerals, doesn't yes, it? Yes, uh, yeah, yeah. So, um, all kinds of shenanigans ensue. Right. Mm, so yeah. so she's, he's a bit of a dark horse, <clears throat> is the husband? Well, it might be. It might be. She might be mistaken. She might be completely right. Right. You just have to find, read the book and find out. <laughs> And That's you're a great setup. Yeah, <coughs> and you're here at Bloody Scotland. How many times have you been? Uh, I've been to them all, actually. Right. Yeah, I've been to them all. Um, in various kind of guises of chair stuff, I've been on panels, um, done the pop-up events. And this year, I'm in the murder mystery play. <laughs> and is that scripted or is it improv? Yeah, yeah, it's scripted. It's been written by Douglas Skelton and it's called uh-huh. Murder at the Nickerage. <laughs> right, <laughs> racy. Yeah, so it's um, it's kind of a cross between a pantomime, a murder mystery, and a carry on film. Right. <laughs> it's, okay. It, it's nuts. Are you and acting it, in it? Yeah. Right. Have you had rehearsal? No, acting. Um, <laughs> he did inverted commas. <laughs> <laughs> so we, we perform it like a radio play. So we have the script in front of us. Right. We're too lazy to learn the lines. Uh-huh. But we've we've done um, performances of this and the previous play. Um, <clears throat> Murder on the Ocean Wave. Um, God, I don't know, about a dozen times we've right. performed at Tidelands. And do you have folk, festival. you know, like walking on like pails of gravel and stuff and popping balloons hey, that's for, an idea. for that's sound an effects idea. and no, all that? No, no, because <laughs> b- b- we've got some visual gags because obviously it's performed to an audience. Yeah. Um, but it's the kind of standard cast, if we can call them that, are... Yeah. Carol Ramsey, so she plays Letitia Lovelybod. <laughs> and she's the she's the spinster of the parish who um, investigates the crimes. Right. Kind of thing. Uh, and Douglas Skelton, he plays a couple of roles, myself, Theresa Talbot, mm-hmm. her off the radio. Um and we have a couple of others that pop in now and again. As so in all needed. crime writers in the cast. Yes. No professional actors. None. <laughs> That's <laughs> great. I know somebody says we should get Ian Skewis in because he is a. He had his debut out a couple of years ago and he is a, a professional actor. Right. And he was like, no way, he would like, show the rest of us up. <laughs> <laughs> you have to be crap to get in this play. <laughs> That's brilliant. I love how like all the crime writers are doing like strange old pieces. You know, you've got the fun-loving crime <clears throat> yes, writers exactly. and now you're doing radio plays. Well, we started before them. So, oh. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> not copying it. No, Douglas, um, it was the local library in the air got him involved, I guess about three years ago, maybe asked him to write a murder mystery. Uh-huh. And he said, why don't I sort of adapt this 
so we can perform it. Mm-hmm. And then it's just it's just grown since then. So we've done um, several performances. We're going to be doing Tidelines Book Festival in Irvine next weekend, mm-hmm. and then in November we're doing the Grand Tour on Spey Crime Festival. Right. Okay. Oh, and by then it will be slick. <coughs> well, we've done this one about three or four times. And slick, so maybe you know, <laughs> ambitious. <laughs> Oh yes, it's actually when you get it wrong. That's the funny part. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And the I, and are on your side. And I, I'm a master of accents. I oh, have to say, yes. Right. And I often, can I manage to do three or four in the same sentence? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and people come up to me after and say, "Your accent, your Yorkshire accent, is terrible." I like, "Well, that's the point. <laughs> I'm not going to practice it. It's supposed to be bad." <laughs> so the the plays aren't specifically like tartan noir. Oh jeez, no. They're more, no. um, the more kind of... They're less noir and more... Agatha Christie, I was going to say. But, yeah, um, classic crime. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they're of that kind of... Caper. Aye, 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 absolutely. Yeah. There's no violence in, <laughs> on stage. <laughs> Although sometimes you may feel like it. Douglas, why you make me do this? Get the bald guy to wear a wig again. Yeah, fantastic. <laughs> well, I'm sure the performance is going to be fantastic. It'll be a hoot. I'm really looking forward to it. It's, it's like a lot of fun. And I'm often the one that corpses. Right. I'm always the one that gets into fit of giggles. So. Well, that's appropriate, I suppose, in a murder yeah. mystery. Yeah. <laughs> Cow corpses all over the place. Yeah. Well, thanks for speaking to us, Michael. Oh, it's been a pleasure. It's been a pleasure. Hope you have a, enjoy the rest of your festival. You too. Yeah, Great. you too. Cheers. And Michael's new book is... After He Died. Published by Arenda. Thanks yes. so much. Thank you. <laughs> Hello, I'm here with James Oswald, who I'm sure many of you know, and we are talking about Bloody Scotland 2018. Bloody Scotland 2018, which I believe is the seventh Bloody Scotland, which makes me feel very old because I came to the first. You have. I, I've been to every single one, but it's fair enough because I only live down the road, so it's my local. Yes. Um, we were just talking earlier and you were having to get back to some cows. Yes, because I, as well as writing the books, I run a farm. Uh, and almost inevitably, whenever I come to an event, uh, a festival or whatever, I get a phone call from one of my neighbours saying, there's a cow in the woods. And it's never my cow, but I have to go <laughs> home and sort cow. it. <laughs> I had to go home from Shetland Noir a few years back. I had to leave a day early, oh, get, no. a, get a, a new flight and leave, because at that time it was my cows. They'd all escaped into the woods en masse and then into my neighbour's field. So it's been a happy day getting them back out again. Yeah. And how many cows do you have? I've got, uh, what, 19, 20 breeding cows. They're highland cows, right, pedigree right, highlands, right. Uh, and um, followers on. So there's about 50 on the farm. And I've got sheep as well. It's a proper livestock farm. Yeah. yeah. And does um, farming feature in your books at all? Not a lot. They're not you really... Keep those they're, worlds they're not, they're not rural <laughs> rural crime. Um, some people have asked me, why you know, why don't you write you know, rural crime? Mm. And I, I don't... I, I find it a little bit sort of unbelievable that it's quite good for suspense you've got the lovely idea of these tiny little communities who all seem to be on the surface all friends and everything and then there's there's dark secrets rip them apart and that's quite a, a good trope but but the, the the sort of believable rural crime is you know setting fire to barns and stealing tractors and quad bikes and things and it doesn't really make for that interesting story i much prefer sort of gritty urban Urban yep. stories with the ghosts in them. <laughs> Fantastic. So uh, you were here for an event with um, yesterday evening. I was I was on with um, Ed James and Leslie Kelly, 
uh, and we were talking, we were supposed to be talking about um, Scottish crime writers setting their books in London. Because ah, my, okay. my new series, um, which I've just started, the first book is just out now, um, the main character, Constance Fairchild, is a, a detective constable in the Met, right. at least at the beginning of the book. Whether she survives to the end is another question. Um, and Ed, well, if it's a series. Yeah. It's a series, yes. <laughs> well, whether she survives as a constable, whether she, uh, whether okay. she decides to, to quit the drop and go off and do something else or not. Right. I've just started writing the second one and I'm still trying to decide. Um, where she'll start where, where, where from. She, where she's yeah. going to start from. Um, and and Ed, Ed James, is, most of his books are set in Scotland, but he's got one series set in, in, in London. Uh, and Leslie's, um, her books, she's, she's sent a detective her, her team down to London for this right, just one right, book right, so right. it's not it was a bit tenuous London collection connection yeah and so we, you say you were meant to be talking about but London. we talked about all sorts of interesting things and and, and and you know how we how we go about writing our books and and, and our attitude to, to character and turns out that Ed and Leslie are both very much plotters and right. I'm very much not a plotter. I You're character-driven. Well, I just sit down and write. I, uh, I, 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 I can't plot. I, I have tried plotting out a book and meticulously planning everything and having all my characters all fleshed out and little biographies and stuff. And then I sat down to write that book and ended up introducing a new character <laughs> who was pivotal to a completely different story at the right. beginning of the first chapter. Right. So. By moving... To London mm. has it brought a different dynamic? It, to it, the that stories? has it, it's, it's a different obviously it's a different setting. Um, I've also because my my initial crime fiction was the Tony McLean books based in Edinburgh, so it's a male character, um, much the same age as me, um, written for the third person. Um, the new character, Constance Fairchild, she's female, she's thirty. It's written first person, so it's a completely different right. focus. I have to kind of channel my inner thirty-year-old woman. <laughs> and you're flexing all kinds of different <laughs> muscles. Which then. is, which is, I, I mean, I, I, I like to set myself a challenge, but that might have been biting off a little mm-hmm. bit too much. But it was, and sorry, is yeah. the Constance Fairchild book out? It, it, the first it's, book is called No Time to Cry. It's out in ebook at the moment. The paperback comes out in November, so that's all right. um, just in time um, for Christmas. Just in time for Christmas, and uh, and I'm working on the second one at the moment, um, and it's. Yeah, planned to be an ongoing series, mm. but um, and we'll see how successful. In it is. terms of supernatural elements, does does London produce a different kind of supernatural, it, or does that come from the character rather it, than the setting? Well, it, for the, for the Constance Fairchild books, it does. The, the, there isn't. There is some supernatural in it, but it's kind of um, without giving too much away. At the beginning of the book, she, she's working in an undercover operation, and her boss is killed, and she discovers his body. Um, that the, the, the operation's been blown and whoever they've been surveilling has killed him. And she starts, that these people start to blame her for it and she has right. to um, go on the run and prove her innocence and everything. But as she's going through this terrible trauma of A, trying to cope with the death of her boss and B, mm-hmm. trying to find out who did it and C, other people are trying to kill her as well, um, she has these conversations with a shadowy figure, the right. ghost of her dead right, boss. Right. But we leave it, I leave, very much leave it hanging as to whether it's her, it is actually the ghost of her dead boss. Or, or whether, whether it's just a psychological, her, yeah, psychological thing, her mm, talking, her, mm. her problems and stuff. And I'm still in two minds as to whether in the next book she talks to the dead ghost of the, of, of, of the victim in the next book. Yes. Or whether I just leave that alone and keep the spooky stuff for the McLean books. Right, um, right. I like putting in the spooky stuff, but um, my editor doesn't... He always kind of wants me to pull back from it as much as possible. Or does he want you to yeah. explain it? That's interesting, because yeah. in, uh, I mean, there's such a tradition of, you know, gothic 
18th century. She was the queen of the explained supernatural. There was always a paragraph at the end that explained the mechanism by which the trapdoor had opened and (laughs) someone had taken fright. (laughs) I'd much rather leave leave the question hanging. When, Mm. when When I was first writing the Maclean books... Um, which came out of my love of comics and, yeah. and uh, comics like Hellblazer, um, which is you know, John Constantine, who's the, the, the lead character in the Hellblazer comic, which DC have pro- published for years, is a sort of freelance magician. And it's very noir, very dark, but he deals with demons and things. Yeah. And these creatures all exist. But he's in a world where most people don't understand, they yeah. don't, they don't believe in that, don't think any of that's happening. Right, but right. he deals with it in the background. And I originally my sort of pitch for Tony McLean was that he was the policeman who reluctantly realised that this stuff existed and mm. someone was going to have to deal with it, um, but knew that he couldn't write in the police report at the end of the investigation, by the way, these six guys summoned a demon and um, it caused mayhem, which is why all these people were dying, but it's okay because I sent it back to hell. <laughs> you, know, it, you can't write that in a report. There isn't, in my books, there isn't a department of magical policing or anything. No. Like the Ben, ben Aronovich does that, which is absolutely I... brilliant. I love those, the Rivers of London books, which okay. you know, he's got his kind of, his department within the police, um, which deals with all that sort of stuff. Um, but I didn't want, I wanted to be much more sort of ambiguous about it. Um, I do love the idea yeah. of having a, uh, you know, a, a police procedural where you suddenly, you know, there's, there's, a, there's a, a ghost or a demon or something thrown into the mix. Mm. Uh, and do your readers fall into two distinct camps of people who would b- believe in the presence of the demon and people who are absolutely, no, this is, you know, a psychological manifestation? Or do you think they like to or sort of remain in the middle? <laughs> I, d- I don't know. I mean, I, I, I haven't spoken to too many of them, but some of them, some of them say they love that that supernatural stuff yeah. and, they, and they completely buy into it and yes this character running around is the devil incarnate and yeah. causing all sorts of mayhem and that's great and some people I've got some really brilliant one star reviews on Amazon from people saying this, <laughs> this book, would never happen this book shouldn't be in the crime section this is horror or supernatural fantasy right. or whatever right, right. and get really hot under the collar because they've been reading it as a whodunit as a really clever police procedural or whatever and it gets to the end and there's this scene which is a bit ambiguous, and it you know did was it a demon or was it not a demon? They say, eh? he's obviously you know he's written himself into a corner, yeah. which isn't isn't how I write. That's not how it works no. out. But um, yeah, they, so I think yeah people people get from books what they what they want. Right, right. Yeah. And were you here for Bloody Scotland's Torchlight Procession? Yes, I did. I did. Uh, I, I, I did that um, last year as well. Managed not to get burnt both times. <laughs> Uh, that's good health and safety probably yeah, exactly. has something it's to great. say about it's that. great fun it's such a wonderful thing to do but it, it I love the photograph I think it was from last year's one there's a photograph of Ian Rankin and Denise uh, Minor yeah. uh, and Ian just looks really sinister with this torch mm, like, mm, yeah um, I knew well I think uh, it gives people this uh, I'm not sure how wise it is to give a bunch of crime writers burning flaming torches and set them loose in the well, streets of Stirling such a wonderful yeah. spectacle yeah. Well, it's amazing to see how I mean how the how the festival has grown over the years and how the how the city's embraced it as well because mm. it's uh, it, you know it, we get to play in the castle and, and and they have the football match on the on the bowling green and yeah. and, and, and everything and did you and, uh, were you in the football match this year no I I, I I I don't I'm not really great footballer um, I get asked most years and I always say well who would I play for because you know I yeah. I grew up in England but I. Scottish ancestry so I could play right. for either team yes um, and if I played for one team the other team would accuse me of sabotaging them absolutely uh, so, yeah. very good well thank you so much for talking to us well thank you um, and the 
first Constance Fairchild is out in paperback. 1st of November, no time to cry. It's available at ebook now, um, but um, paperback on the 1st of November. Well, thanks so much. Thank you. Cheers. We're back at Bloody Scotland today with the very lovely Charles E. McGarry. Hello, Charlie. Hello, Vicky. How have you enjoyed your experience at Bloody Scotland so far? Very much so. It's been uh, full on. I was at Wigtown Festival on Friday, so I had to zoom up the road and play for my country, pull on the the dark blue and shame shame my country (laughs) and then then do a... um, an event. Um, if you're unaware, on. just to say that um, very famously, each year at the Bloody Scotland Festival, the English crime writers play football against the Scottish crime writers. And we didn't do too very very well last uh, yesterday, the Scotland team, did we? We didn't, and uh, <laughs> there's some debate about what the final score was, so you just told me it was 6-3, and I'm going to stick with that, because that's the best version I've heard. <laughs> right, OK. So. <laughs> what did you hear? <laughs> well, there was one of our goals that was... Um, I'm not sure if it was actually awarded. Oh, but right. So, uh, next so year it could be 6-2. It could have been 6-2, but next year they're talking about bringing in uh, the VAR technology, so uh, <laughs> that'll sort things out. But at least we can use it as an excuse in the meantime. So you played football before your event? I did. Um, that is that is a quite the... <laughs> yes, a couple of injuries. So time for a quick shower. Um, a couple of guys had to actually... Um, well Chris Brookman and Liam McIlvany both played and they had to leave the game early oh, right. so, and then two of our players got, early, uh, got injured so my uh, sole had come off my right boot so I had to end up going back on with one sole so well you see that's, that's things I do for my country yeah yeah. I think you should have, we should have got an extra point for that <laughs> it's goals wrecking up points I know so how did your event go afterwards? It was great. Yeah, it was called Local Crime for uh, Local People. Um, and it was myself and Neil Broadfoot, who was hosting it, mm-hmm. and uh, Margaret Kirk and Hania Allen. And the premise was that all four of us have set our latest crime novels in places in Scotland that are kind of off the beaten track. Mm. Well, not so much off the beaten track, but not Glasgow and Edinburgh, basically. Yeah, yeah. Um, so mine's uh, my latest book, The Shadow of the Black Arrow, the second Leo Mor- Moran uh, mystery set in Galloway. Mm-hmm. Uh, Neil's latest one is set in Stirling itself, where we're sitting right now. Margaret's is in Inverness in the surrounding countryside, and Hania's is Dundee in the, the surrounding countryside. Oh, okay. So, yeah, but your 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 novels are not just set in um, the sort of lesser known places. Your first novel in the Leo Moran mystery, um, the Ghost of Helen Adson, was set up in the Highlands. Yes. But Leo Moran himself, the character, also lives in Glasgow. Yes. So you tour. That's right. I do. I like, and I, there's different bits of Scotland I want to do. If yeah. Any more books, you know. So. Um, we were asked that actually, someone in the audience asked, you know, what future plans and my next one, should I get round to doing it, would be set in Isle of Butte. Oh, right, okay. Which is in the Firth of Clyde and where I spent all my childhood holidays. Right. So I like the idea of, start, you know, Leo living in the city and having mm. a, a few scenes in the city, but then going into the, a new yeah. kind of realm in the countryside. And yeah. And, and, and does he always have that sort of. Uh, city slicker mentality when he goes to these 
Yeah, I suppose he does. And, you know, there's that, that kind of gothic idea of the, the, the outsider coming in mm. and with the city ways and the kind of strange and colourful locals. <laughs> yeah. um, uh, you know, kind of um, observing them with her eyes, smile. Yeah. So, yeah. So tell us a little bit more about the second novel, The Shadow of the Black Earl. You've set that in Galloway, you said. Yes, Cooperyshire. Slightly fictionalised it. It's basically around a place called Lauriston and a place called Lauriston Hall, which is a former stately home nearby. But I've called it Bigner Briggs and Bigner Briggs Hall. And it's a, it's like a latter-day golden age detective novel. Mm. Leo is a private investigator and a connoisseur and he experiences visions pertaining to certain crimes. So in this book, he goes to spend the summer with his friend Fordyce, who he meets in, he met the, first, in the first book, yeah, mm-hmm. and they've now become firm friends. So they're living at Fordyce's stately home, and a young girl goes missing, a teenage girl goes missing, which has echoes of a similar disappearance 30 years previously. So Leo starts to have visions pertaining to this um, disappearance, um, and along with Fordyce, and also... Um, a woman called Rachel, who's has come to Leo's love interest. Oh, nice. Who's al- she's also a, um, a private investigator. Oh, really? Yes. Mm. And uh, they, uh, they, see, they, they set out to solve the crime. Now, in the first book, The Ghost of Helen Anderson, there was hints of something that had happened in Leo's past. Yes. So is the, the visions that he has that pertain to the missing person... 30 years previously, is that linked to those secrets? No, it isn't, but the the, the kind of trauma in Leo's past that you re- uh, refer to, that is revealed in this book. Right, okay. Um, I wasn't actually going to reveal it in this book, um, but my editor, Alison Ray, said, no, you need to tell the audience, your readership, now what, what it is that mm. causes Leo to be so melancholic and to drink too much. Mm. So his love interest is... Rachel, she asks him, you know, what, what is it that, yeah, that troubles what happened? you? And, she, and he tells her. Yeah. Um, so that was good. I think that was a good idea to establish that in mm. this book, you know. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So we, we feel like we really properly get to know Leo. Yeah, hopefully. Um, also, we find out the origin of his hands. His hands are burned. Mm, yeah. And mm-hmm. he's, he's slightly impaired. And we know that that relates to something that happened in his past. And it turns out that that was related to the um, the trauma that he experienced. So these are like the physical wounds, manifestations of his, um, or a kind of a mirror of his internal psychological right. wounds. So you're sort of doing the promotional tour yep. right now with, with the second book. So you've not started the third book yet. You've just got ideas percolating away. Well, it just, it's funny because my idea for the third book was going to be a prequel to the first one oh, and it was okay. going to be like Leo's first big case and I might still do that but just during the spring I just had a kind of um, rush of ideas about mm-hmm. this idea for one set on Butte and um, again it would be a crime occurring in the current day but uh, what, you know with an echo of a crime that occurred in the past mm-hmm. um, when a teenage boy died in the late 80s um, and Everyone assumed it was an accident, but now with this new death, people are starting to wonder whether it was an accident right. or not. Um, and it just it just came to me in a bit of a rush of ideas. So that was something we discussed at the the event yesterday. Actually, was you know when ideas come to you, do you, know, you have to just abandon what you're doing at the moment, and you mm. do. You know, you have to just 
get it down on paper and and the, so I would say that although it's um, I haven't started writing it, I've pretty much figured out what happens in right, it right. and all the characters and things. And because I know Butte and especially the part of Butte that it's set on, like the back of my hand, you know, in terms of research things like that, Vicky, it would just be so much easier. Yeah, and yeah. Um, I feel I could um, hit the ground running with it. Oh um, well, we we shall look forward to that one because yes. we love a little bit of Leo Moran. Here at Hitchhiker's Guide. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you for speaking to me. Thank you for having me. So, I'm here with two Polygon authors who have been doing a bit of a double act around Scottish bookshops in recent weeks. Denzel Merrick. Merrick, now come on, get it right. Author of the DCI Daily Thriller series. <laughs> and Douglas Skelton, who will be publishing his first book with us. Uh, though, there, though there have been many before, in May 2019. Janice runs out just now, a very good book by Douglas Skelton. Excellent. This is my press officer here. Yes. <laughs> Agent. I also don't need to say a word. I just need to sit here and Denzel will do it all. I'll do that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so how did you guys meet? How did, how, how did we meet? Huh? I've forgotten how we met. Did you meet online? That's how people meet these <laughs> days. <laughs> I, I don't know back to the grinder. Uh, no, no I, I came to your launch in gear. You did, you came to launch in gear. Was, you, ah. the phone before you get that. very drunk yeah. and you met the skin drunk. I mean, yeah. Hugh. Oh, we might have met there too. I was there. Yeah. It was such a beautiful life. spring day as yeah. well. Yeah, it was a perfect was place to be. Yeah. So, so that's um, where we met. Face right, to face. Right. I've regretted it ever since. <laughs> I get very drunk. Skilled off. I call him Skilled off. Right. Because he knows everyone in the whole industry. The, the truth is, I know Michael Jame alone. Right. And I know Neil Broadfoot, and they know everybody who's in yes, the whole yes. industry. Yes, yes. Well, it's so. just such a wonderful network, yeah. really. It's like, once you tap into that. It's like two yeah. degrees of separation. Yep. Not six, just yeah. two. Well, Everything, just everyone's two. like closer quarters the in, the, in the crime. Broadfoot in the world. Well, as yeah. I have said to James Patterson just the other day, James. <laughs> Do you know Skelda? He said no. <laughs> so there we are. So that's it. Yeah. So, um, Relentless Tide. Yeah, brilliant. Just out this month. DCI mm-hmm. Daily Six. Six, yes. Yeah. Going through the roof. Yeah. Going through the roof. Already in the best, amongst the best sellers in Watson's UK. Absolutely. It's doing fantastically well on, on Amazon and Kindle. It was number one book in Kobo last week. Yep. And uh, can you great. can you tell us just a wee bit about the setting? It's a taut. <laughs> they all say that, don't they? Yes. It, uh, it, it's always taut and pacing. Yeah, and Can't put it down. Yeah. yeah. It's about, um, we thought long and hard about Jim Daly's career, and I'd spoke to, I'd spoken to Hugh about this, who's our, our lovely managing director, and we, we, all, we, we did prequel short stories. Yeah, and you said no, no, I really like these, and I said I like them too. He said, but the only problem is we'll lose Kinlock if we have a prequel, right. so we won't have Hamish, and we won't have Annie, and we won't have all the Kinlock people. So I came up with an ingenious plan that one crime unites the two sides of Daly's career, or both ends of it. Yeah. So it's a crime. Three bodies are found at an archaeological dig, which initially are believed to be ancient or medieval. Um, from the time of Summerlead, who of course was a famous Lord of the Isles. Lord of the Isles, well done. Yeah, yeah. So there's a medieval setting, but there's also some DCI Daily history because it's a cold yeah. case. Yeah, and I this mean, is the first time you've done that, is um, it? It's the first time I've used a cold case officer. Yeah. Um, what happens is that uh, it's a case that was unsolved. It's the mid midweek murderer or mm-hmm. the grab a granny murderer, as it's known through the police circles. 
And uh, he, or this person, or she, we don't know who it is in the book, um, killed, was a serial killer in Glasgow, operating in the, in the early 90s during the early part of Daly's career in the CID. And it was a, remained an unsolved case, and these bodies are discovered, and um, instead of being medieval skeletons, they're discovered as the three missing women from the serial killer, the midweek wanderer. So, a cold case officer who just happened to have worked with Daly on the case many, many years before, arrives in Kinloch, and it all goes round again, and Brian Scott has to go on a boat. With the cold case and bit of, a bit of Daly's past, there is a sort of there's a reappearance of characters that we haven't seen for a little while, like Liz. Liz, yes. Liz, Liz. is back. Is Liz is back, um, albeit briefly. Um, um, we've, we see Brian's Scott's wife, and, and she she's moving to Kilock in the in um, for the first time. They've got a new police house there. She's decided to make the break from Kirkintilloch, which is their home. Ella Scott who becomes part of the milieu of uh, ah, wonderful characters and, and yeah, um, yeah. the ensemble. Yeah, so um, the ensemble is growing. And in about half an hour, you guys are going to be on stage uh, talking with Quentin Jardin about his next book in relation... Well, you guys will just be having a conversation. But, Douglas, have you been doing events for your own books? Uh, no, I've been doing events for <laughs> everybody else's books. Uh, th- this time round, um, it's been. Ch- uh, I've not appeared as me, as it were. Uh, this year, I've been chairing. So I, d- I did two panels yesterday, in- including Ambrose Parry, which is oh, yes. Chris Brinkmeyer and, and, and Melissa, his wife. Yep. Um, and today, uh, I'm doing two reprobates, uh, whose, whose names I just can't quite get into my head. It's me and Quentin Jarvis. Oh, that's right, that's who it is. Yeah. And then later on I'm appearing in the comedy play Carry On Sleuthing Murder at the Nickerage. Yes. I'm going to see that. Yeah. Very yeah. good. Yeah. Great. So we're closing and that's, the festival. And that's a play from your own pen? It, from my own pen and anybody else that I stole jokes from. <laughs> so Do you have a rabbit in yours? Or is it a uh, No, but we do have a horse. Michael Malone was telling me a little bit about the play and you've been doing these at Literary festival. Speaking to Michael Malone for this way as well, were you? Just a wee bit at the beginning. (laughs) Yeah, we will. So was he telling you about the play? He was. And and his mastery of accents. Yes. Yes. And um, how he'll go from Yorkshire to. People come from far and wide just to hear Michael. (laughs) I'm going to put this clip. He's a star performer. Speaking of accents and audio, one of the things that has been really exciting over the last couple of years is the growth of DCI Daily in in audiobook. Five UK number ones in a row. Yeah, it's a big deal. And Dave is someone that you've, you actually knew before. Yeah, Dave's... There's a bit Dave, of a connection there. So Dave, Dave Monteith is the narrator. Well, a friend of mine was a policeman called Neil McCallum who went to school with Dave right. Monteith, who is my narrator on Audible, and it does a wonderful job. And I met um, Dave for the first time when he was uh, um, the usher right. at, right. at the um, uh, Neil's wedding. And it was just by pure coincidence that he was appointed by Audible to narrate right. daily, daily books. Yeah, it's a small which, world. Which is fantastic, you know, it really was such a coincidence. And I met him a few times before that as well, so we've yeah. known each other for quite a years. And have you sat down and listened to a whole audiobook? <laughs> you yeah, yourself? Well, that's all I listen to all the time. <laughs> Your own words. Yeah, I read my own books constantly and listen to my own audiobooks <laughs> if I can't, if I'm driving. Yeah. So, Douglas, we are 
publishing a novel of yours, yes. Thunder Bay, yeah. early next year. Yep. March 20. <coughs> Is that a completely freestanding crime novel? Well, it might be if it doesn't is sell. It? <laughs> <laughs> or is it the germ of a series? It's, it's the germ of a series. Fantastic. Um, Can you tell us a bit about it? I, I, I was, uh, you know, I was terrified you were going to ask me that. It's. Uh, Can you not remember it? Is it, is it I, already I, two two books ago? Yeah. <laughs> I, 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 what, what about the main character then? It, it's set on uh, Mull, a, a Scottish island <laughs> called, called Storm. Oh, right. Um, and a young reporter goes over there because she's heard that a man is returning after 15 years who had been charged with the murder of his partner but was uh, freed on a not proven verdict. Right. Um, That's a special a Scottish speciality, yes, not yes. proven. Yes, indeed. Uh, I think it's absolutely key to like is, so much Scottish it's, literature. It's, and it's very important um, mm. to, to the plot as well because yeah. this... Question of evidence. Question of evidence, yeah. etc. So she thinks there's a story there because he's going back after 15 years. It's the first time he's been back. He's going back oh, to the funeral good. of his mother. Yep. Uh, and of course that causes everything to, to erupt. All sorts yeah. of old uh, suspicions and hatreds. And, um, yep. and it's on an island, so there's a small community there's a, there's a insiders and outsiders. Yeah, Is there a chicken? There's, 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 <laughs> there are chickens. Um, <laughs> they're not actually mentioned, but they're there. Uh, there are sheep. Oh, well, so, <laughs> say no more. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so that that's the key. That's the book. Yeah, and I'm looking forward to does it. the island um, environment come from like your own personal experience of living on one? Or? No, it's it's just a mixture of islands that I've been to. I I, I like these things where you you've got the isolation. Yeah. I, I like the old fashioned idea of the people being cut off. Yeah. Um, so I have this island. There's a known for its storms and one comes in so that cuts them off for a certain amount of time yeah um and it's a fairly big island it's, it's somewhere between the size of australia right 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 yeah so it's um got different island. communities on it but it, it talks about the island's yeah. mythology and the history and, and thunder bay itself is um, the, the key to the mystery really of, of what happened and that's according to island lore that's where the dead go to sail off into the west. Anything else that we should add? (laughs) Um, I'm writing a new book which is called A Breath Breath in Dying Embers, which I believe is scheduled for publication with Polygon in April next year. And this is going to be the magic number seven. This is the magic number seven, and I can reveal that somebody... There's a big, big death in this one. Well, we're looking forward to seeing what happens there. I think we should wrap up because it's not long until your event. All the best. Hope it goes well. We will get you to the event on time. Thanks so much, Denzel Myrick and Tucker Skelton. Burnett and Simone Buchholz. I hope I pronounced that right. Yes. So this is uh, your first time at Bloody Scotland? Since yes, yeah. my first time, uh, my second British festival and right. the first time in Bloody Scotland and I love it. And the, have you been to every single one? or? I haven't been to every single one, but I think I've now been to four. The first one I was one of the in the spotlight oh, people, right, yeah. so I, I opened uh, for Ian Rankin, I read, <laughs> I read two minutes of his bloody project oh, really? in front of 600 people, wow. and it was fantastic. Um, 
And then uh, I did and a panel. who knew that what it would lead to? Who knew what it would lead to? <laughs> and then uh, last year, it was a really special event for me because I appeared with John Simenon. Oh, the son, yes, the son I of John that, Simenon. Yeah. And, you know, I'm a huge Simenon fan. Yeah. Um, and so he was over talking about Maigret and Simenon. And it's like, I was quite, it was quite, it's easy to talk about your own work because yeah. you, you know it better than anybody else. But you're talking about somebody else's work. And his son is there, uh-huh. and John Simonon is the kind of keeper of the Simonon estate. He produces the films, he does the publishing deals, but it was a bit of a thrill for me. Yeah. So, and it was just such a, you know, warm, lovely festival. And, you know, I've met Simone and we've been hanging out and that's what, that's what it's about. You know, meeting other writers, meeting the, meeting the audiences. And I think the audiences love Bloody Scone because the, the, the authors tend to be around and accessible yeah. and everybody can have yeah. a chat. It's just really friendly. It's and all about the warmth, yeah. yeah. I, that's what I feel. Mm-hmm. It's a really, really warm welcome if you're arriving here. Yeah, and, yeah, and everybody's so friendly and funny. And <laughs> you, you know, in Germany, we are not so funny. <laughs> well, and, I think um, this is a fallacy. <laughs> yeah. And all these, these UK authors, especially the Scottish authors, are so funny and friendly and polite and... Um, and um, yeah, and I love the panels. I love yeah. all the panels. You 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 appeared together this yeah. uh, this, this morning. Scotland. Yes. Yeah, a what, very what? political European panel. I think. Yeah, well, it was so. about it was. Um, it starts sounds a good joke. There was a Catalan, a German, an Italian, and a Scotsman <laughs> walk into a panel. Um, <laughs> and, uh, yeah, it was about your European crime fiction, and obviously there was a little bit of a political element because of you know Brexit, the yeah. horror of Brexit. Yeah. Um, but it was just, it's, you know, it's just great to bring writers from elsewhere here. Mm-hmm. And we're talking about the Edinburgh Festival as well. Have an internationalist outlook. Yeah. It's really important, especially at the moment. And is your book being published in yeah. English in with a publisher in Britain? Yes, with Orenda Person. Ah, right, so you're at ah, right, the lovely Orenda Books. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the gang. Yeah, yeah we're, we're a team. Yeah, it's like West Side Story with the jets and the sharks. Yeah. And uh, do you see that there's a difference between the German crime fiction community and the British crime fiction community? Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. In Germany, we have a we have this crime fiction community too, um, but it's not as as vibrant and and as um, I think you have you have well fifty crime fests only in Scotland. Is it well, I mean, something the, like that? I, there's probably not fifty in Scotland, but. And there's probably but 50, 50 festivals. There's probably 50 festivals, yeah. book festivals. And yeah. crime yeah. festivals. And okay, book festivals. Yeah. I heard yeah. this number and I was yeah. just impressed yeah. because in Germany, you know, we don't have this kind of festival for, for the authors. Really? We have, we have festivals, reading festivals, mm-hmm. and they sometimes they're only three or four days. Sometimes they go over weeks from September to November. And you, as an author, you just show up yes. one or two evenings. Yeah. You do your program. You get paid, which is very good, <laughs> and then you go away and you go to the next festival. And you, for, for, for me, it's absolutely like a normal reading mm-hmm. in a nicer venue um, than in a bookstore or something. Mm-hmm. And um, this meeting other writers mm. from 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 abroad, from international yeah. colleagues, it's great. And we don't have that. We don't have this three days in an old hotel. It's, it's quite new <laughs> yeah. in Britain. I mean, there's always been some big literary festivals, but. 
I mean, Bloody Scotland's seven years old now, yeah. and mm. so it's it's a relatively new thing. And I think like a lot of towns think, well, what can we do to bring people here? You know, in a wet weekend in November, <laughs> yes. and I'm like, oh, let's have a book festival. <laughs> uh, but it, be- it kind of benefits yeah. everybody because yeah. you know benefits readers because they can go along and meet meet the writers. Benefits the writers because they can go and promote their books. Benefits people who run the bars because writers love <laughs> to drink. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And that's where uh, the conviviality comes yeah, from. Absolutely. <laughs> now, if you want to go into shameless plug mode, you can. At the yeah. So, what what book are you currently um, promoting? I am promoting the accident on the eighth. Five, which okay. is sequel to my first book, yeah. Disputes of Adele Bordeaux, which is they're both set in a small town in France called Saint Louis. They're kind of they're, they are crime novels, but they're quite gentle in the sense that they're much more focused on the, the characters and the effects of the events of the novel on the, the sort of mindset of the characters, and that's really what I'm exploring in there very atmospheric and there's lots of drinking, <laughs> the, especially in the, in the accident. Um, Gorski, my cop, drinks a lot in the book. He's not an alcoholic, he just, just he's, 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 he's weak-willed, <laughs> and, um, <laughs> like me. <laughs> did you, have you spent time in France? Is that um, where the setting comes from? Or? I, I, I did spend a few months uh, in Bordeaux many years ago. Um, but and I visited this town of Saint Louis by coincidence. I, I walked into this restaurant, um, which in the book is called the Restaurant de la Cloche, which is a completely traditional French bistro where everyone goes for their menu du jour for lunch for nine euros or something. And I was just captivated by the atmosphere of this place in the small town and the sense of unchanging timelessness. So much so that when I went back ten years later, when I was actually writing the book, it's it stuck in my head for the, all this time. I, I went back to sort of see if my memories were right, and I had exactly the same lunch because they, they hadn't changed the, the menu, menu in ten years. So I, I just confirmed how I felt about the place. So that it was just that that kind of drew me into it, and also this connection with Simonon. Simonon also, I think Simonon's best work is set in provincial France in these sort of small French towns and these characters who are kind of outside society somehow. Mm-hmm. And that, you know, so I felt like I'd walked into the set of a Simonon film. <laughs> yeah. And Simone, tell us about your book as well. Um, the book's called Blue Night. It's the start of a series. And uh, the main character is a half-German, half-American state prosecutor. Mm-hmm. She's the daughter of an American soldier who's been to Germany after the war. And um, she's also drinking a lot. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm, 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 I'm always asked, is she alcoholic or is she mm-hmm. and I, think, I don't know, she smokes really, she's a heavy smoker. A bon what is she? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's yeah, 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 that's yeah, yeah. What, what does she drink? Uh, she drinks beer because it's, it's, uh, it's situated in Hamburg, it's located yeah. in Hamburg, Ooh. and we drink a lot of beer in northern Germany. She's drinking beer and she's drinking vodka. Um, but with a with, with water. Okay. She drinks vodka a vodka spritzer. It's her favorite oh. drink. It's a vodka spritzer. Right. With sparkling water. Yeah, with sparkling oh. water. Just vodka, slice of lemon, sparkling. A skinny bitch. Yeah, we call is, it a vodka that, spritzer. Is that uh, reflective of her character? I mean, no, 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 no. She's not skinny. She's 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 quite tall, I think, and she's some kind of athletic. She has a fantastic name. Her name is Chastity Riley and Chastity Riley. Riley. Yeah, yeah. I'm Riley. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Are you Chastity too? She's named after a Celtic player oh. because when I was thinking about the the character, um, I was in I was in Glasgow and I was uh, w- watched a match and um, 
That was Nicky Riley. He was playing for Glasgow. And oh. I Nobody remembers this player. Yeah, maybe just for one season. Yeah, yeah. But I, I, I remember him. That's you know, a wonderful I, uh, connection. Right. Yeah. I am definitely getting your book now. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Riley. You have to. You have to. Yeah, and she's she's she, she's tall. She's athletic. She has this um, American big hairstyle. I think. Maybe I, I don't know exactly how she looks. Mm. And what is the 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 crime? What is the the murder? Uh, there's a there's a retired hitman, ah. and um, he's he's beaten almost to death, and he's the one who. The the mystery around him has to be solved why he's uh, in this <laughs> state of body, and um, he he, it's about crystal meth, about a Ooh. terrible drug, also from Russia. It was called crocodile punk. And um, it's about uh, the yeah the Albanian mafia trying to establish new sales ways from Eastern Europe to Western Europe. Right. And in the center, there's this Chesity Riley and the retired hitman with every bone broken in his body. Right. Oh wow. right, because I read the beginning. Yeah. Oh, just brutal. <laughs> no, it's not. It's, uh, it's okay, nothing in, uh, in 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 the disappearance of Adele Bedoe, There's a kind of there's a moment of violence which kind of takes place in backstory. Apart from that, um, at one point, my character, man from Bowman, uh, cuts cuts his nose oh shaving, and that that's the violence. That's, <laughs> that's great. So if you're looking for like you know maybe, maybe you could buy our books like yeah. in tandem, and yeah. yours opens with this kind of brutal beating. <laughs> And if you get 200 pages into my book, someone scratches their nose. This <laughs> is, <laughs> you know, I, I told you, you're very polite. Yeah, so yeah. This yeah, is so being polite to the reader. Yeah, well, yeah, this yeah. is the broad spectrum of uh, yeah. crime writing yeah, these yeah. days. Well, actually, the, the accident on the F35, I kind of set out to write a crime novel without a crime in it. Right. Because clearly an accident is not a crime. <laughs> but, you know, a crime novel is kind of a structure. Mm. Yeah. And it doesn't actually require a crime. Mm. No, no, I think it's just violence is giving the structure. Uh, Whatever. Or the investigation, the, the, yeah. the, the yeah. sort of moving from not knowing to knowing. Mm. Well, thank you very much. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Thanks for coming to London, Scotland. Come here, you your work. I'm here at Bloody Scotland now with Kate Welsh. Hello, Kate. Hi, how are you? I'm fine. Um, how has your experience of Bloody Scotland been for you this year? It's been fantastic, as it always is. Um, <laughs> I've been here in my chair capacity rather oh, than my right. author capacity okay. this year. Uh, I was chairing an event on writing series crime fiction with David Mark, Fiona Cummins and Robert, Sc Robert Scragg last night. Mm. Um, and chairing a fantastic and very emotive event um, on the role of the Me Too movement and Time's Up in crime fiction Right. Okay. Uh, with the fantastic um, Alexandra Sokolov, Sophie Hanna and Joe Jakeman. Right, okay, and what kind of conversation came, that, came out of that? Fantastic, there's a real kind of mixture of discussions within the panel about whether or not, to what extent we need to rethink um, our relationship with writing about violent crime, mm. and violent, particularly violent crime towards women yeah. in the genre itself, particularly um, the role of a the role of responsible violence versus irresponsible portrayals yeah. of violence. Yeah. Um, to what extent we should censor ourselves? To what extent we as women have more responsibility, or there's more responsibility put upon us yeah. uh, to to change the the genre, and yeah. if it should be changed. And well, and also because you know, if you want your art to reflect what's happening, sadly, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. Um, yeah, the the idea of the, to what extent 
depicting violence towards women as as entertainment essentially is acceptable. Yeah. Um, and how we reflect the reality of women's experiences which yeah. do involve violence responsibly. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, that sounds very yeah. interesting. Yeah, so it's, uh, we went over time because we had so much to say and yeah. frankly I think we could all stay there a good a good two more hours. <laughs> and so you've been to Bloody Scotland before in your capacity as an author Yes, as this well. is my third or fourth year here I think. Um, last year I was here with my debut novel The Wages of Sin, mm-hmm. um, which was the first book in the Sarah Gilchrist uh, mystery series yes. set in 1890s Edinburgh uh-huh. uh, about a uh, female medical student who uh, gets involved in a murder. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm hopefully coming back next year with the second in the series, The Unquiet Heart. Yeah. Yeah, it's due out soon, isn't it? It's due it? out in May um, with uh, Tinder Press, which ah, is an imprint of headline. Right, OK. Yeah, and I'm just half halfway through, maybe three quarters of the way through the third one, <laughs> hopefully. All right. Yeah. So, and can you give us a little taster of I what can, the second one? I can. So the second one, um, I like to say somebody, uh, somebody gets punched. <laughs> Somebody gets syphilis, oh. and somebody gets engaged. Well, but I, maybe this, or maybe all the same person. I won't, I won't give it away. But um, I left myself in a little kind of cliffhanger at the age, end of the wages of sin, yeah. um, with a situation that I now spend the rest of the unquiet heart getting Sarah out of. Right. Okay. Um, but it's huge, huge fun to write, um, and I'm now working on uh, the fate of empires, which uh, Good title. Lo- yeah, which looks at. Um, <laughs> the uh, influx of medical students coming from India to study at the University of Edinburgh ah. in the Victorian era yeah. um, and what happens when um, female students from India come over. Right. So examining race and class um, and, as always, misogyny. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, thanks very much for, for speaking to us and we hope your future books do very well. Thank you very much. Robinson, who writes for the Sunday Times and has a newsletter called Crime Book Club, which specialises in um, promoting all things good crime fiction. So hello and welcome to Bloody Scotland. Is this your first time here? It is, yes. And it's fantastic to be here. I've met so many amazing writers, some who I knew before, some who I didn't. And the atmosphere is one of Although it's all obviously about murder and uh, <laughs> yeah. grim goings on, one of enormous uh, friendliness and support. That's a great thing about the crime writing scene, particularly the Scottish crime writing scene, but the whole crime writing scene is that they're a very jolly, friendly bunch who like a bit of a party. So, <laughs> so we've all been working hard at uh, yeah. our party skills. Yes. And have you had a particular highlight of the weekend so far? Oh, there have been so many, actually. Um, I think for me, one highlight was meeting a brilliant young writer called, who's just published his debut, debut called Amer Anwar. Um, And Mm. his book is called Brothers in Blood. And it's a, I think one of the great things that crime writing can do is open up um, a window into the different kinds of lives, different realities, and his book is part of a sort of mini-trend of British Asian writers, mm. and it's all set where he grew up, I think, in um, South Hall, the kind of backwash of Heathrow Airport, where it's not an Asian community, there's loads of Asian communities, yeah. and it's a love. It's a sort of caper, really. Right. Um, he didn't fall into the... I mean, very understandable, and that makes very exciting fiction too, but the, oh, the British Asian becomes a brainwashed jihadi. Right, right. Uh, which is a, you know, there are some very exciting yeah. books with that theme, but he, he you know, it's, it's about robbery. <laughs> right. uh-huh. um, and, and various other things. But it was, so it was great fun to meet him. 
Um, I never. I've read his book. I'd admired it. I hadn't met him. Um, some of the uh, the big names are here too. I saw Mark Billingham looking quite hungover <laughs> <laughs> this morning. It's very he convivial. And he's very very, yeah, he he does convivial <laughs> to a great degree. And uh, and he did said he just leant against the wall and went, "Bloody Scotland has broken me." <laughs> <laughs> but uh, he'll 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 be better by lunchtime. Um, and yeah, the, the pitching event that we went to this week. So you've got the whole process from the superstars, um, the the great sort of national treasure, Anne Cleves, mm. and Canadian national treasure, Louise Penny, will be in conversation mm. later on. I'm really looking forward to that because they are just so consistently brilliant at what they do. Mm. There's a humanity to their characters that's why we love them that's why we believe in them the great characters but at the other right at the beginning of the process the pitch perfect event where out of about 60 pitches 100 word synopsis eight writers were picked or you know wannabe writers mm-hmm. right you know writers who want these books published to come before a panel of agents, judges, publishers, and and me, although I'm not actually <laughs> in, in the business, uh, but uh, except as the reviewer of the finished yeah. product. But, and that was thrilling because, mm. I mean, I'd read all those, but we could only pick one winner. Yeah. Right who was uh, C.O. Volmer yeah. and his his concept, which we I think we felt had the most, shall we say, sustainability. You know, it mm. was very well thought out. It could be a great series. And it's I'm not a massive fan all the time. I don't naturally turn to historical crime. Right. Mm. But he seemed to have got the balance right between the, you know, it wasn't a great w- Wikipedia dump of you know, Renaissance <laughs> Florence yes. detail. Yes. <laughs> but and his central character is um, a gay man who's in. I mean, I love these books where um, in like centuries before there were really actual detectives. Yeah. Mm, mm, Someone's mm, yes. got a job that means they can that sort of be a detective. Yeah. And and the, his character um, is doing this. It's obviously Renaissance Florence was so dangerous. Mm. Everyone was out to stab everyone in the back in a, with a jewel dagger and <laughs> go, going into all that. And so, so that's the one we chose, but it, it was yeah. not easy. No, it, it was, sounds fun. Yeah, there was a lot of great, um, ambitious uh, yeah. pitches. And were you? Um, yes, sorry, you were already. You already said you were looking for sort of s- series and sustainability. Well, not necessarily, or, but yeah. I think to be, you know, for, for I mean, I'm not in the business of publishing, but I think. You know, if you are, mm. you do want mm. to, you're going to invest because you invest in writers, and you do want something that will build, yeah. um, ra- rather than 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 the one-off. And he and he'd obviously thought a lot about all those yeah. things. I think he was a very good pitcher as well. It his, was his presentational style was assured. It was. It was, and and when we raised with him the issues about you know too much Wikipedia, you know too much research, <laughs> yeah. and he'd got that on board already, which mm-hmm. I, I thought he probably would have. Yeah. So, and the, you know the gay character. So, and and that's what's so interesting about for me the 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 historical fiction that really works is that it is written with a sort of modern sensibility. Mm-hmm. And so you can relate to a obviously the life of a gay man in Renaissance Florence in many ways would be a bit different to now. But, yeah. you know, in order to understand it, you've got to... Appre- so so it's that clever thing you're doing without being anachronistic. Mm. 
of yes, making bringing, a world that's and, believable. And bringing a perspective. Yeah, and yeah. I, but I think also, um, I mean, we had an interesting discussion as well about, um, which I think is a theme of always of, of crime fiction discussions and conferences about authenticity. Mm. And there's credibility, authenticity, but and slavish following the facts. And yeah. that's the one you mm. don't want. I mean, people like Peter James, who yeah. did a absolutely barnstorming event yesterday he he researches to you know he's he goes on holiday with this <laughs> you know copper that he bases he says he bases his Roy Grace on but somehow I mean you know that could be that could go horribly wrong you know he is obviously yes. he's filtering it through and turning it bringing it back as fast-paced fiction rather yeah. than mm. plod, plod, plod. Yeah, and, yeah. and realising that really the storytelling yeah. is the key. <laughs> the story and the characters yeah. are the key. Yeah. I think a thing that's impressive, you know, when you think, well, what would make a, you know, a great book? And I think you, you pick up a book sometimes and you think, oh, they've had this concept and now they're moving all the characters around mm. to fit the pattern of the big idea. And that just doesn't work. And the number of um, writers who, great writers who I must say the ones I admire, the, the, one of the common threads is they say, I had this this person yeah. and I had to see what they were going to do next mm. I had to put them in this situation and I think unless I mean how lucky is it that you're I mean someone like Val McDonald you know they're, they're, mm. they're walking around and they've got this amazing inner life <laughs> yeah. of you know Carol Jordan or someone going I say I say why, you know, why don't I go and, and and really they you know it, they are motivated I think you know you're motivated by telling the story character is plot mm. and any other way of doing it it doesn't work on the page mm. well for yeah. me they anyway. build their own momentum but it just doesn't bury in deep inside no. you in a, in a way that a good character does yeah yeah exactly so you're a long time journalist that's right um, but the crime club newsletter is relatively recent yeah we started about three years ago mm. just at the point where if you look at the sales figures crime fiction really really started to take off mm. and I'd say there's probably other factors that, uh, <laughs> that influence <laughs> sure. that as well I'm not sure. putting it all down to crime club but but you know I think we we kind of sense I mean I loved crime fiction you know I've yeah. always mm. and when when I was asked to um to set it up mm. I'm like, yeah, I can do that. I'll be brilliant. I'm an expert, and, you know. Because <laughs> and then, I and then I realise, oh, there's lots more of this than new than world I opens. But yeah. but it's been it's been absolutely the most enjoyable job I've ever had. It's been fantastic. The feedback from our subscribers has been um, incredibly encouraging. I mean, people do, you know, crime crime fiction. You know, as, as Val McDermott said recently. I mean, her great line was, it's not actually about murder. Yes, like, absolutely. <laughs> but, but, but it's about it's, us. She <laughs> says that's the kind of, you know, the carnival barkers sort of shout to get you mm. in. But it can tell you so much about... And that's why I love these writers who are... I mean, we had a pitch today about... Um, which was set partly in a traveller community, mm -hmm. you know, and, and wow. another one which was um, had a very much a racial element. And yeah. you think crime fiction done well can be a great way to bring in important the, issues, yeah, politics even, yeah. you know, sexuality, minorities, diversity, all of that. And, um, and I think people are, rec you know, in a rattling good read, yeah. as, as it were. So, so um, yeah, so, cry and cry, you know, mm. we're just trying to look for 
the best to recommend to yeah. um, and do your to our readers, readers write in to say what they liked and what they didn't like? Oh and yes, some they of do. Them quite vociferous. <laughs> um, mostly positive, I yeah, have to say. Great. I think I think what there is, which is interesting, is that there's a terrible misunderstandings grown up over violence and the use of violence mm. in crime fiction and I think there almost should be something like the bad sex prize <laughs> the bad um, crime and violence prize where you basically gently shame writers into doing it better mm. and not making it gratuitous but you know as Val McDermott says I'll stop writing about violence against women when people stop committing violence against yeah. women it's a fair and point it's a fair <laughs> point but also she spends an enormous amount of creative time and mm. effort working out how to do it I mean the key word is gratuitous you know yeah. if it's yeah. gratuitous if it's titillating yeah. if it's you know tackily sensationalised then right. nobody wants that and we should have a little awards ceremony to award <laughs> golden raspberry Maybe or whatever I will just say about um, it's called the Times and Sunday Times Crime Club a monthly email bulletin also available on the paper's website mm-hmm. all that's best and new and fabulous in um, crime and thriller fiction but the first rule of Crime Club is you have to subscribe. Well, so I think go we should, on the website. Yeah, and we should all follow that instruction. Thank you. You'll be <laughs> equipped with so much reading. Yeah, yeah. you'll never. And all your bloody Scotland favourites. <laughs>